Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. Uh, John chapter 4 is what we're, we're talking about today. So let's go over there and look at it. It's the story of Jesus with a woman who is known as the woman at the well. John chapter 4, and we'll start reading here in verse number 4. It says, and he, he being Jesus, had, I like that, he had to pass through Samaria. Uh, the King James says he must needs go uh, through Samaria. So he came to a city um, of Samaria near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? And Jesus answered unto her and said, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and tell him to come here. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, You have said correctly, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you are now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. And this is one of my favorite lines in Scripture. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> and just understatement of the year there. And they go on to talk. And for the sake of time, I'll let you read this when you get home. But Jesus is revealing to himself as someone who has seen all that she has ever done and loves her anyway. And reveals himself as the savior of the world. In verse 27, though, we see another point. And at this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with this woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? Uh, she leaves uh, from this well, and she goes into her own community and begins to express to everyone there um, that there is a man who has seen all that she has ever done and still loves her. Truly, this is the Savior of the world. 
Uh, The story picks up in verse 39, and from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. And when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word, and I love this. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe that got us here. But now we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. And for two more days, he stayed there. Uh, Now, this story amazes me for many reasons, and it's important that we understand it. This is actually the longest conversation that is recorded that Jesus had with anybody. Now, there are many other points where Jesus talked longer, but it was a monologue. Here, it is a dialogue between Jesus and someone. And it's the longest one recorded, so there must be something here for me, and there must be something here for you. Let's talk about what it is. I glean several things from this story. The first thing I glean is this. Number one, Jesus is on a journey to deeply and intimately connect with you. Uh, The Lord Jesus is doing whatever he can to connect with you on a deep and intimate level. It starts out by saying Jesus must, needs, go into Samaria. He had to go to Samaria. This is not a physical must or a physical need. There were many other routes he could have gone, just like for those of you who go home after this or go to lunch, there are many ways you could take there. Um, He had to go spiritually. And the reason why he had to go spiritually was this woman at a well who was hurting and wounded. And I don't know who you are today, but if you're hurting and wounded, maybe even a little dysfunctional today, Jesus wants to connect deeply with you. It's very interesting when he starts talking to this woman, it's like many of our relationships, many of the relationships you have with others. In fact, many of the relationships many of you have with Jesus today, it's very surface. Uh, They're talking about a well, and she thinks that's all they're talking about. Jesus is trying to take it deeper. See, Jesus is about to reveal to her something you need to know. I see everything. Uh, This is not like a surface conversation with me. I genuinely see everything. You can't hide anything from me. You can hide it from others. You can can put on these facades like everything's okay and everything is all right. And you can have this surface kind of construct that doesn't let too many people in. And we're very good at that, especially in the South and especially in Christianity. We're very good with making everyone think we're okay and fine and have no issues or sin or any dysfunction in our life. Like, we're good. How are you today? Great. How about that weather? It's rained a lot. Like all those types of things where it's just very surface and, and kind of sheltered. And Jesus is like, okay, like we can... Come here if you want, but you need to know, I see everything. Go call your husband. I have no husband. You have said, well, you have had no husband. You have had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. He sees everything. And what she sees in this moment is that Jesus, who she perceives is a prophet and then the savior of the world, sees everything but still wants to talk to her. That even when he gets past the surface of all the stuff she is trying to keep at bay, she doesn't want to talk about this. She doesn't want to go there. She doesn't really really want to confront her pain. It's just easier to numb the pain. She doesn't want to really heal the hurt. It's just easier to numb the hurt. Uh, But Jesus wants to go there. And how many of you know in your life Jesus wants to go there? And wherever there is, he's not intimidated by it. 
Uh, I don't care how dysfunctional it is. He's not intimidated by it. I, I don't care how ugly and nasty it is. He's seen worse. He is not intimidated by it, but he can't help you if you won't let him go there. He wants to connect intimately with you. Jesus is on a journey for you. And here's the thing. No matter what you try to to hide behind, God can see through it. And when he sees through it, he looks on you and he loves you. I was thinking about that even between services, how Jesus encountered the rich young ruler. His was a sin of a different kind. It was a sin of the heart, just his pride of life and lust for things. Hers was a physical sin. His was an inward sin. Her sin, everyone else could see. Uh, His sin, the Lord could see. Pride, a lust for things. And Jesus comes up to him, and the Bible says, he looking on him, Jesus looking on him, loved him. And this man, unlike this woman, went away from the story unchanged. Her physical sin got dealt with, his inward sin never did. But in either way, Jesus saw both, and looking on him, loved him. This is what you need to know. Jesus looks on you and he's not ashamed of you. He's not trying to, uh, to shame you or belittle you or condemn you. Jesus sees all that you are with no judgment. He sees someone who is hurting. Jesus understands that most of our dysfunction comes from our hurts. And that our dysfunction is actually the result of the hurts that we have experienced. But he also knows that as long as you stay in that dysfunction, it only causes more hurt. For you and everyone who loves you. And so he's like, yeah, let's go there. It's like, well, I don't really want to go there, God. He's like, let's go there anyway. Well, I don't really want to talk about that. Can we just go back to talking about like a natural? He's like, no, we're going to talk about your husbands. Uh, Because actually, this is what I want. I, I don't want to shame you. I want to heal you. I don't want to shame you. I want to touch you. I don't want to just just talk about these surface things. I want to go there and I want to heal you from the inside out. I want to do in your life what no one else can do in your life. But I can't do it until you're willing to go there with me. Come on, somebody. Jesus wants to connect with you. Past the surface. He wants to have a real conversation with you, a real interaction with you, a real move with you. And he's on this journey where he's like, I must needs go there in your life. And we we can't keep him away from those hurts. We we can't live like this Jesus only on the mountaintops Christianity. Where it's like when everything is great and everything is wonderful... But Jesus is also with us in the valleys, and Jesus is also with Samson when he is bound and blind, wanting to help him and restore him. But Samson must go there with Jesus, and the woman at the well must go there with Jesus. I even look at like Peter and Judas, and I use this illustration a lot, but it's like Peter went there with Jesus. Judas didn't, and he gave up on himself, and out of his shame, he hung himself. And you look at what Peter did, and it's like, I know Judas betrayed him with a, a kiss, but Jesus, uh, Jesus literally had Peter adamantly deny that he knew him three times. And both demonstrate mass amounts of weakness, and, and clearly Judas had regret, uh, but he wouldn't go there with Jesus. He thought, I had to keep this from him and solve this in the flesh. And Jesus is like, no, this is not going to be solved in the flesh, Judas. This is solved only by the Spirit. 
But Peter had a moment where he was not ashamed and he's seen by Jesus. And it's very interesting that when he's seen, he's fishing naked. I have no idea why, other than like a, a spiritual connotation of like naked and unashamed like Adam was. And as soon as as Peter is seen naked, there's something in him that wants to clothe. And Jesus brings him, and Peter swims to him, and Jesus brings him in and has a moment where he's like, do you love me? And he's like, yes, I love you. He's like, then why are you diminishing your calling? Let's go there. Like, let, let me be with you. Let me walk with you. Let me fellowship with you. I'm not intimidated by your sin. I'm not intimidated by your dysfunction. It's very interesting. I had this minister's meeting thing. I just got back from a mission trip from a Middle Eastern country. And out of it, it was like 281 pastors were brought there. And God just moved, like in a, a real neat way. I, I can't ever remember ever walking in and an anointing, and forgive me for those who are unchurched. The word anointing just simply means like God's spirit resting upon you. It's where you stop and God starts. Um, And there's always degrees of anointing, uh, but like I I haven't walked in that in a long time. And it was like every person that I saw, I saw with the eyes of Jesus, like I could see what he saw in the room. And I have this this man come down, as soon as he comes down, I know he's wrestling with pornography. Oh, we're going to go there. Uh, and anyway, I know it, I can see it, and, but I see it with the eyes of love, and he walks up to me, and it's, without me even saying anything, through the interpreter, he's like, I have sin in my life. He's like, when I saw your eyes, I saw the eyes of love, and he starts talking about his sin, because he saw that Jesus, when he saw his sin, had nothing but love for him and wanting to set him free from the very thing that was wounding him. Come see a man who saw all that I ever did and loved me anyway. When he looked on him, he loved him. And see, we live in this world that's like, I can't open up with anything about this. And so we stay bound. Like, I'm just going to go to the well when no one else is at the well. And like, do this whole kind of like draw up thing from the well. And like, just go back. And I'll be here tomorrow, but I'll make sure I'll come then too when no one else is here because I really don't want to talk about it. And I really don't want to be seen with it. And I would prefer to just kind of like handle this on my own. And God's point to this woman and to us would be like, how well is that working for you? Like you're going to go on your sixth try here? Let's go there. And I want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord to go there too. Like God is not, I'm, I'm going to say it again, God is not intimidated by your sin. Where sin does abound, grace does so much more abound. Through one man's offense in Adam and sin just ruled in the world, through one man's obedience in Jesus, he has given us the power to break the back of that sin. But God can't break the power of any sin. We hide from him. Because it's not really hidden anyway. See, this whole point of this story is not Jesus revealing to us and to her, I see your sin. The whole point of this story was, is yes, I see your sin, but can you see me for who I am? I'm not just some random man talking out of well who can't help you. I'm not just some random man having a conversation with you. I am the son of God, and I can give you water that when you get it, you will never thirst again. So yeah, let's go there. 
Uh, and through the power of God and through the anointing of the Spirit and through continual fellowship with the Lord, we can change. But not if we keep hiding these issues and not if we keep like having the surface relationship with Jesus and the church. We, we must be willing to come and go there. Jesus desires not a surface relationship with you, but an intimate relationship with you because Jesus wants to show you himself. Number two, the second thing I see from this is Jesus wants to stop you from going to the well again. Uh, here, they think they are having a conversation about a natural, aren't they? She thinks they are having a conversation about a natural well. And she's like, well, give me this water that when I drink it, I'll never have to come to this well again. And Jesus' point to her was like, every day you come to this well to get water from it, and what are you again tomorrow? She's like, thirsty. He's like, exactly. So every day you keep coming here to this well thinking it will satisfy you. Are you ever satisfied? No. So you got to keep coming to this thing every day. And even though you come to it every day, you still walk away unsatisfied? Yes. Well, that's why I'm having to come to it every day is because I need it every day. And he's like, but what if I could give you something that you didn't have to come to the well again? And all the while, she's like, well, give me this water then because she's still thinking natural. But Jesus is talking spiritual. Uh, it's all a beautiful analogy. And this is when he says... Go get your husband. I have no husband. You said, well, you have no husband. Actually, have five, you've had five husbands and five divorces. And the one you're with now is not your husband. You're at the well again. See, the well is a type and shadow for that thing in the natural. You think when you get it, you'll be satisfied. You're at the well again, and you keep drinking, but you keep walking away empty. And you come back to this thing again and again and again, because what you're trying to find through a man and through a relationship, you can't find. You get it, and it satisfies for a minute, but the very next day, you are thirsty again. And it's leading you down this path of dysfunction, and this path of dysfunction is only driving you to more shame. You're not going to find, you, you drink the alcohol, it takes away the pain today, you're thirsty again tomorrow. You make more money, you got it, great. You made more money, you're thirsty for more tomorrow. You, you come and you want this situation fixed, and it's fixed, there's another issue tomorrow, another one the next day, and another one the next day. And so we keep trying to fix these natural things. And when they're fixed, we do drink from the well, and it's like... I am satisfied until tomorrow comes. It's like, I am not satisfied. I am at the well again. And God is like, what if I could like change that system and you see everything that you need is actually inside of you and not outside of you. That instead of waiting for these outside things to change so you can have joy and peace and get over your insecurities, you walk so deeply with me that I give you such a security that you always have joy and peace no matter the occasion. Because apart from Jesus, everybody in this room has a well that you go to again and again and again and again. And if it's right, you're happy. And if it's not, you're broken. But you go to that well again and again and again. For pastors, it can be how many people attend their church. For business people, it can be did we reach our quarters and did we reach our metrics. 
Uh, for some people, it's like when I finally start a family and I finally have someone who loves me. Uh, for a parent, it could be when my child finally acts right. It's like, Pastor Joel, there's no way you could be happy with like this going on with a child. Like it has to change. And all the while, Jesus is like, okay, but I want you to pay attention. Like, haven't you been here before? Didn't I fix it? And now we're right back here, thirsty again. Like, didn't I, I take you? Like, I blessed you even more than you ever could have imagined 10 years ago. Look at where you are today, and you're still thirsty. See, you can have a peace that passes all understanding. You can have it a joy that's unspeakable. You can have a security that doesn't come from how many people attend your church or how many likes you have on Instagram or Facebook or any of these other silly things that are so many people's wells. At the well again, let's make the post and get a lot of likes. All of us have these wells, and Jesus is like, what if your peace and your security and your joy came from something on the inside versus the outside? What if you had such an intimate relationship with me that you knew when something did come up with your children that I see them and they're my children too, and you don't have to worry about that because I'll send laborers across their path. I'll give you a word that can finally break through the flesh and get to their heart. I'll give you direction to see exactly what you need to do to course correct it. It's like, wow, I have peace. Why? It's fixed? No, but I know the one who can fix it. And so I've got a well of living water that springs up for everlasting life on the inside of me because Jesus is here with me. The bill comes up or the desire comes up and it's like, man, I'd like to have that or man, I'd like to not have this pressure with this bill. And it's like on the inside, the Holy Spirit comes and it's like, am I not your father? Am I not your provider? Have I not met other needs and paid other bills? Have I not brought other desires? I'll do these things. You open up your mouth wide and I will fill it. But you don't need to wait for those things to give thanks Uh, You can actually give thanks even before they come because you know the answer for those things is in you. And you walk around with this joy and peace because you're not waiting for something out here to change. You have something in here knowing it will change. That you're walking intimately with the Lord Jesus and you know he affectionately cares for you and whatever is in your life, he will fix it just like he always has. You will make it through the valley of the shadow of death because he is with you. And so I fear no evil. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. My security is not found in all these other things that people are putting their security in. My security is in Jesus, knowing that with Jesus, not only does it water me, but this water bubbles from me and touches every other thing in my life. And now this is bringing forth fruit and budding. And this is bringing forth fruit and budding. And that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And this water is not just watering my life. It begins to water everything else in my life. It begins to touch my children. And I become a well spiritually that begins to give water to everything else in my life. Because I have Jesus in me. And turning unto that well versus turning unto this well. Going to this instead of going to that. Leaning on the Lord. Number three. Y'all have listened so well today. I appreciate you. Number three. Jesus wanted to confront judgment and cynicism in his disciples. Why did he have to go through Samaria? He wanted to teach this woman to look inside versus outside. 
he wanted to teach this woman to go deeper and to really confront her issues with Jesus. But he also wanted to confront this cynicism and judgment that was in his disciples. These people who love Jesus and walk with him, and I think there are many people at all of our campuses today who walk with Jesus and love him. But sometimes in our life, we can get very judgmental and critical of people, and never more so than in the world that we live in that's so judgmental and critical. This culture that just comes in and wants to hurt and wound and point out every flaw and failure. And the disciples walk up and see Jesus talking to this woman, and they think this inwardly. What is he doing talking to her? Such a downcast. You know she saw him. And isn't it interesting that she could have an encounter with disciples of Jesus and walk away potentially with more shame? And how is it that we could have encounters with the people of Jesus and walk away with more shame? Through their religious lens, they saw all of her dysfunction. They know any woman at a well at this hour is someone who is so dysfunctional and sinful. Because this is what shame always does. Shame zooms in. Shame zooms in. When someone has, I'm taking a family photo, we do this a lot. Uh, because of my profession, I'll have a lot of photos taken of me, and many times it'll have my family or wife and that type of thing, and I've gotten to the point where I don't care. It's like, whatever one you want. Uh, but my wife oftentimes will, will zoom in. Have any of you ever zoomed in on a photo? Uh, and she'll zoom in and see something that she considers to be a blemish um, most of the time with herself. And, and out of that, when she zooms in, she's like, oh, not that one. And, like, sometimes I'll see the pictures, like, Ben is picking his nose, and, like, Boston is, like, looking up in space, but it's like, that's the one we use, <laughs> and I know why. Um, but it's amazing, like, when you zoom in on one of those weaknesses and then you zoom back out, you still see the blemish. You don't see the whole picture. You've so zoomed in, that's all you see. And the disciples have so so zoomed in on her dysfunction. They don't see her pain. See, in that culture, and this is why Jesus taught a lot on divorce in that culture, in that culture, you could divorce anybody you wanted to if you were a man, could divorce any woman you wanted to for no cause. And I don't have to pay alimony, I don't have to pay child support. If I see a flaw in you and I see someone who I think could be a better version of you, I will just divorce you. And go be with them if they want to be with me. And I can leave you without having to take any type of care for you whatsoever. And so this woman has had five men do that to her. And is she in the wrong now, trying to find a man who will love her and being with him? While not being married to him? Yeah. But how did the dysfunction come? It came through pain. And see, here's what I know as a pastor. I deal with pain and dysfunction. And I've realized that most people's dysfunction came from their pain. The disciples, they don't consider her pain. They only see her dysfunction. And they judge her for it. And they become lesser of a version than God intended them to be in Christ Jesus. See, if there's one thing we as Christians ought to be, it is loving and merciful and kind. 
It is people who know what it's like to be wounded and, and, and know what it's like to feel shame, but have a God when he looks on us, looks on us with love, even though he sees everything that we have done, and to mirror that to the world. And, and I think sometimes, like even for me, I'm not a big photographer, uh, but I have uh, you know, an iPhone, which enables me to take pretty good photos. In fact, I'm often amazed at the quality of photos I'm able to get. Um, and a, a lot of times uh, I look at the photos and I'm disappointed. Like it's, it's not as clear as I wanted it to be. But it's not the picture of the people that is actually wrong. Or it's not the people in the picture that are actually dirty. It's that there's a smudge on my lens. And I think sometimes when we see the wrongs in others, it's not so much they're wrong we're seeing that if we took the time to look at it, it is a smudge on our lens. We have so zoomed in on their weakness and Jesus is like, okay, before we continue in discipleship, I must confront that. Because you're never more like me when you're merciful and you're never more like the enemy when you're accusing. You're never more like me when you're trying to find a reason to forgive and be merciful and you're never more like the enemy when you're finding a reason to condemn. And, and coming to this place where we just absolutely are givers of mercy and we stop zooming in on the wrongs of everybody else, but we pull back and we consider how they got there in the first place. And we care more about the dysfunction uh, or more about the pain that is causing the dysfunction than the dysfunction that is causing the pain. And we deal with the pain first, knowing that when the pain is healed, it's easier for the dysfunction to go away. The problem is, is I don't know how to take you there. I can only show you that that's a way out for our world. But I still feel like so much in the world just wants to be so critical, wants to cancel, wants to just come and see the flaws and see the weakness and see the, the sin of the world. But I would just humbly ask us all this question, where has that gotten us? Where has that gotten this world? And where will that lead your own soul? That one of the pathways you find Jesus on in the most of your life is that pathway of love and mercy towards other people. But I also know the reason why we typically zoom in on so many other people is because we zoom in more on ourselves than anyone else. I took my, my daughter to a, a volleyball game. Her, her, a good friend of hers plays volleyball, and she went to go see her play. And uh, her friend is good. I mean, like, I was impressed. And I was one of the louder parents there and didn't even have a child in the game. Uh, so out of that, um, I was so blessed, though, because Reese wanted to sit by me at the game. And I thought, I never can uh, remember being in 10th, 11th grade wanting to sit by my parents at my high school. So I'm like, when? Uh, and it, it just felt good. Anyway. So we're sitting there and we're watching this. And after the game, um, my daughter went up to her friend who was just celebrating her so big. Like so big celebrating her. And I walked away from that. We're walking to the car and I, I pulled Reese beside me. I said, I, I want you to notice something. I said, I loved, loved how you saw her grace and her gift and you celebrated it. That you see who she is and, and do not see who she's not and was able to celebrate that. 
but at the same time, how you're secure enough that you know that even though you don't have that grace and gift, you can celebrate your own grace and gift. She's a very good writer, my daughter is, very good. And that's a grace gift she has. And I said, you need to know this. Most people, they either celebrate the gift of others and completely shame themselves or shame everyone else and completely elevate themselves. And I'm like, it is a win that you are willing to see her strength, but you have also seen yours as well. And here's what I want you to know in your life. Why are you so zeroed in on your dysfunction? Pull out and see the whole picture. You're probably doing so much better than you think you are considering all your life has gone through and all the people who have hurt and wronged you and all the things you have gone through and the childhood you've had. You've got to be more gracious with yourself, more compassionate with yourself, more kind with yourself. God does not zoom in on your fault and failure. He sees the whole picture. He sees all that you've walked through. He sees all that you've gone through. He doesn't just see your sin and still loves you. He sees all of your hurt and he cries for you and he prays for you and he intercedes for you and he came to earth to die for you. Why? Not just to forgive you of your sin, but to heal and bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those who were bound so stop zooming in see the whole picture in others and if all you see is the dysfunction wait to judge until you see the whole picture and even then still not a good idea and for yourself stop zooming in By the blood of Jesus, you are free. And if you see a weakness, it's just something you need to go to him for. In your weakness, that's when you receive his strength. That's the place to go intimate with Jesus on. That's the place to go past the surface. And instead of trying to hide that, surrender that to him. And out of that, through the process of time, and honestly, sometimes I've seen it happen immediately, he heals that. He mends that. My own life, when, when my father passed away, passed away, I was very angry. You can be angry and not sin, but sometimes I was angry and sin. Uh, like the, 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 the thing that comes to mind right now is I was in student housing, which is like the Bible school housing. And I was so angry at something that happened that I punched a hole through my friend's wall and had to pay for the hole to be fixed. Uh, But I wasn't angry at what happened in the room. I was still angry from what happened to my father. And people saw the dysfunction, but they didn't see pain. And I can remember taking that to the Lord. And the Lord healed me from that pain. And I don't have the dysfunction of anger anymore. But see, the dysfunction went away when the Lord healed me of the pain. You keep trying to deal with the dysfunction and ignore the pain. Let the Lord take you there. And sometimes it's a journey, but oftentimes it is in a moment and in a twinkling of the eye, the Lord changes you, heals you, restores you. And I believe that today can be one of those moments. We're going to take communion, then we're going to sing, and then after that I'll open up the altar to the prayer team and our elders. For anyone here today at any of our campuses who might need just a touch from God to just heal them of that pain, 
so that they can walk away from that dysfunction. Let me pray for you at all of our campuses. Father, we come before you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you so much for our congregations and for all of those who are assembled all over this city and all over this earth. And Father, I thank you that in the name of Jesus, everyone under the sound of my voice right now knows that they have a God who not only sees them and sees everything, but sees them and loves them. And Father, I thank you for the the beauty of surrender that invites you to that very place. At all of our campuses, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here at any of our campuses physically, or even there at home online, And you say, Pastor Joel, like, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I I don't want to be service anymore. I want healing. I want life. I want him to save me. I want him to invade my life. I want that pain gone, and I want that dysfunction healed. If that's you today at any of our campuses, and you just want to surrender to him, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is an act of surrender to him. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? all over this place, hands going up, all of our campuses. Amazing. I can see our other campuses on the, the screen. It's amazing. Hands going up. Anybody else, I'll wait for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. You can just repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And today, Father, I receive the blood of Jesus. And I thank you by the power of your Spirit. It is making me whole again. No longer will I carry this weight and sin, this pain and this heartache. Jesus sets me free in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that you so touch my life that I am able, Lord Jesus, to go into the lives of others as a living testimony of your power, your grace, and your mercy. I thank you, Father. Jesus is my Savior. You are my Lord. And my best days start right now in Jesus' name.